is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three call, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Stockstead got it! Underdog and then one! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is March. It is college basketball all the time. And we're into full swing with baseball. A lot Good going time on. of year. There's so much going on. You got gymnastics going on, by the way, too. Huskers gymnastics has been doing. Our women's gymnastics been has t- been doing t- great. Just want a quick shout out to them yeah. before because we're really not going to talk about them. But they've been doing great. Softball's going. Baseball's going. Big Ten beach volleyball's for, going. For wrestling. Big Ten championships for basketball right around the corner. And so everything's going on. Yeah. This time of year always always brings about that crossover appeal. And look, Matt, I know you don't have kids. But I've got kids. I've got four of them. You may have known. Uh, I do know. Listen to this show. I've got a lot of children. And and one of the things that you have to do if you want any time to yourselves as a as a married couple, we've got to do some organizing. We've got to do some handing off sure. to the you know my parents, her parents, uh, and and you've got to figure out the timing. You've got to figure out all the logistics that go into that. You've got to be able to. Nail down, all right, this is when we're going to be done here. This is when we're going to be going here. This is the travel time. Sure. All that stuff's got to be lined up. You've got to run that thing kind of like a relay race. <laughs> you've got you've to hand that baton off just at the right time. They're doing good, too. And They're doing really well. They are. And I'm not, this is not a track and field Okay, analogy. I thought it was. No, no. No. So this time of year, you want... Look, I... I know everybody was disappointed when Michigan State just decided to never miss another three-pointer on Tuesday night against Nebraska men. I know everybody was disappointed when the women also lost to Michigan State out of the Big Ten tournament and their NCAA chances took maybe a fatal blow. I don't know that they're going to have a chance to get into the big dance. We'll, We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But how about Nebraska baseball picking up the baton at the exact perfect moment that you have a crushing week of basketball losses and you have a top 10 win. After that first weekend where you go 0-3-1, you're thinking, oh no, what is going to happen with baseball season? And all of a sudden here, they've got not only a winning record, they sweep South Alabama last weekend, and now you, you take out the number 7 team in the nation, not a fluke at all, no, they, eight, they, they eight doubles, thirteen hits. Vandy only got three solo home runs. They couldn't put uh, a lot of. They couldn't string a lot together. Emmett Olson, Shea Shanneman, uh, that was a dominant performance for Will Bolt's bunch up in Minnesota at the Cambria Classic. Great start to the weekend. They've got two more Hawaii today, and then defending national champs Ole Miss tomorrow. Another top ten matchup. But how about them taking the baton at the perfect time to keep this thing going? I, I totally agree with you. I, I kind of wrote things down before we got here today, before we, we started the show, before you actually got in here. Got in, I typically don't get in here, really. I, I do my prep all at home, and then I get in here around showtime. Kenny can attest to that. Sometimes I give him heart attacks when I walk in right at 53. But I'm going to give you some hits versus hits against. Nebraska hits versus hits against. 5-10, to 10, that was their first loss. But uh, since then... Nebraska has out-hit their opponent every single game. 11-6, loss. 10-9, loss. 7-17, tie. 6-2, win. 14-9, win. 13-8, win. 13-5 against Vanderbilt. Number 7, Vanderbilt kicked their teeth in. First pitch, last pitch. They just won that game. Dominated that game. Shannonman played great. Emmett Olsen, you were hoping. He, you, that Olsen would be that Friday guy, that he would kind of be that ace that you were looking for. Younger dude, uh, from the s- same neck of the woods, by the way, as Matt McMaster. Just a little fun fact, so I'll take credit for that. There you go. Um, I mean, 
he had a promising start. He had promising stretches last year, and you watched him play, and it looked like he could be the guy at some point. And so at that game yesterday, really, really good, really impressive against a top-tier opponent. This team, if they can pitch, if they can get the ball over the plate, if they don't give out free passes and they can keep that defense attack behind their pitchers, they are going to be really good. And I think that was a optimistic takeaway from the San Diego series because it wasn't that they couldn't hit. They hit fine. I mean, they scored a lot of runs in that San Diego series. It was they kept shooting themselves in the foot. They kept leaving runners on base. And it's yesterday struggled. Yeah. Yesterday was the culmination of if they put it all together, they could be really good. And they put it all together yesterday, and they beat the number seven, seven team in the nation. But the work doesn't stop. Hawaii today, number four Ole Miss tomorrow. That will be even bigger. I mean, if they could pick up the Ole Miss win, I mean, that would be ridiculous. But is it, it's not out of the question with how they – I mean, yeah. if they play – how they played yesterday against that team just proves to me that they could beat – any team in the country, if they play that smooth style, that conglomerate, hey, let's all come together, the team baseball, team baseball, sort of like we saw in the, um, what was it, 2019? Was it 2019 they went to the to the regional? Well, they went to the regional in 2021. 2021. Okay. Yeah, against Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. I got all my years Big confused. Big 10 champs here. Confused. Yeah. No, and 2019. The, the bullpen, they, remember, they gave up. Runs after runs on top of runs against San Diego. Zero earned runs scored against in that South Alabama series for the bullpen. Yesterday, Shea Shanneman, three spotless innings. Faced, not, faced the minimum, I believe. Uh, and so, oh, no, faced 10. We gave up one hit. Uh, Incredible. The way, that, the way that the bullpen has performed since that opening series is is very impressive because... That's the type of performance that can kind of stick with you, can stick with some of the guys. They, you know, you can start beating yourself up, saying, "Oh, geez, if if it wasn't for my performance, we would have sure. won that Sunday game. Wouldn't have tied that Monday game." Uh, but credit to them, they buckled down. They they held those leads last weekend, and they held on to the lead against Vandy. Look, some of these guys on Vander's, Vanderbilt's roster, you're going to see them in the major leagues in five six years. Enrique Bradfield in center field, R.J. Shrek and Wright hit two home runs yesterday. Parker Noland at first base hit the other one. The pitching staff, I mean... I mean, that just the entire SEC pitching staff is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Carter, Carter Holton was the starter for Vandy. He was a freshman All-American last year. Yeah. Bryce Cunningham had not given up an earned run. Still hasn't. The run that he gave up yesterday was unearned. Uh, but he's their he's their ace out of the pen, yeah. And and he even couldn't hold Nebraska down fully. So the way that the way that the Huskers kind of came around after that opening series, that's really important. You're gonna, I mean, baseball is a game of losing. You're only going to be successful at the plate about three times out of ten if you're good. If you're good, and and so they have to be resilient. They have to have that mentality of, hey, we're gonna keep fighting. We're not gonna let this get get us down. I want to talk a little bit about the lineup as well. Bryce Matthews came through with an insurance run after a pretty tough day at the plate. He had three strikeouts, came through with an RBI double in that bottom of the eighth after Garrett Anglum's go-ahead home run. Uh, Griffin Everett had two hits, also drove one in. The The usual suspects uh, includes Max Anderson as well, who had three hits yesterday. Josh Karen. Still going at catcher. Uh, he's dh and sometimes. He had two of Nebraska's 13 hits. But some of the newcomers are really impressing as well. Dylan Carey 0 for 5 yesterday, but as a true freshman, has really swung a pretty hot bat. Will Walsh, Ben Columbus, Gabe Swanson, Casey Burnham. These are guys that have not contributed a lot to this Nebraska baseball team, if at all, before this year. Burnham had three hits, drove in a run, scored a run. There, there's there's contributions up and down the lineup, and that's Absolutely. what you have to have. And it's even more encouraging to have it earlier in the season, Matt, because if you get those guys all clicking early, then you can pile up those non-conference wins and you set yourself up for, even if you don't win the Big Ten tournament, you can get an at-large bid and 
say you do make a big run in the Big Ten and you lead that thing all the way through, you've got a realistic shot at hosting a regional, which is the stated goal of this program every year under Will Bull. Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, let's pump the brakes just a little bit there, hosting a regional. I'm just saying, I'm that's, just, the, that's sure, the stated goal. Sure, sure, And you can't have I, that without, no, without no, getting the absolutely. early season You're right, you're right, and absolutely right. Number set, but at the end of the day, because we are getting incredibly optimistic, so I'll 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 be the guy who pulls back just a little bit. I'll take the enterprise and just get it out of warp for us. Thanks, Cap. It's baseball. You're gonna lose. You know, you're the best. This isn't college college basketball. The best best teams are going to lose maybe three times a year. Four. T- I'm talking about your Gonzagas, your Kentuckys when they're at their peak powers, your Dukes, your Kansases when they're at the top, top. They might lose four, five, six, you know, three, four, five times a year. Baseball's the opposite. Your top teams, the best teams in the country, they're going to lose 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 games a year. And that's that's because it's the nature of the game. And so while we can say, hey, it was 13 to 5 in hits. You had your Friday starter have a quality start. You had a guy come out of the bullpen and Shea Shanneman, who was absolutely nails, picked up the win, did a great job in doing so. And, you know, you can really look at the positives and say, hey, look how young this team is, where you got Dylan Carey, who's a, you know, freshman, and you got Anglum, who's a sophomore, and Anderson and Matthews still have plenty of eligibility left, and, you know, going up and down the roster and looked at optimism. But you can also say, hey, Vanderbilt's one of the best teams in the nation, but sometimes you have your stuff in baseball and sometimes you don't. And and they could very well come out today versus Hawaii and, and lay an egg and and maybe regress into the into the walking Nebraska baseball pitching staff that they were against San Diego. You never know, you know, and it's all about consistency. So I am not, like I said, I think they can beat any team in the country if they play the way they did yesterday. But the matter of fact is, with the nature of how the game of baseball is played, they are not going to play the way they did yesterday every single game. It's just impossible. You're not going to do it. So, But it's all about finding consistency. Can you play like that more than you play like you did against San Diego? And if they can, they're going to have a very successful season. But at some point in the game of baseball, you know everything levels out. Everything levels out. So at some point, you're just good or you're not. And I think that this team has shown that they have the ability to be good. But on the contrary... They have also shown the ability to not play good baseball as well. So if they can find, I wouldn't say that middle, something that leans towards how they played yesterday and just they're going to roll through Northern Colorado, Illinois State, Omaha, Nichols, Creighton. Well, Creighton will be a good game. And then they'll be able to beat those Big Ten teams that they should beat. And then it'll be taught. Look, I don't know who said it, but I've heard the saying all the time in, in Major League Baseball. When you are a really good team, you have to beat all the teams that you're better than and then go 500 against the really, really good teams. And if they do that in the Big Ten, they're going to be okay. And once they come into the tournament, they're going to have a legitimate shot. But they have to be more consistent. Yeah, they do. And and look, maybe I maybe as a Nebraska fan, you, you should feel the same way about this Hawaii game in between the two top 10 matchups as maybe the way you felt with Nebraska basketball against Minnesota last weekend. <laughs> with I Minnesota wanted, being Hawaii, terrible. Hawaii made the, I'm pretty sure Hawaii made, they didn't make Omaha, no, but they were really, they were in the uh I'm not tournament. saying Hawaii baseball is as bad as Minnesota basketball is this year. What I'm saying is the, the level of competition and, and the, the tendency sure. to want to let I'm, down I'm just I'm just two. telling you right now, Hawaii baseball, Pretty, pretty flipping good. Pretty flipping good, especially last year. They were really good last year. Gotta it's watch out put, for the letdown. It's going. It's no, absolutely. It's going. They're no pushover. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they what they do to what they do uh, today. Let me look at Hawaii real quick. Their record last year was twenty eight twenty four. Hmm. I guess. Well, they were nineteen eleven in conference. I'm almost. I think they won their tournament, their conference tournament. That's why they were in the yeah. I don't know. I thought they were. Regardless, Hawaii no pushover. We'll see see what happens today. Ole Miss tomorrow. Yeah. I, I would love to get the streaming numbers on that Ole Miss game. Yeah. You're see get... how many people are going to tune in for that on a Sunday. Well, I guess you also got the Iowa-Nebraska game going on around the same time, right? Yeah. 
Never mind then. Hey, it's going to be a nice weather. You might you might get some folks it out. It was a great day. PA Haymarket was buzzing yesterday. There was a lot. It was the first time in a while I've seen a lot of people out in downtown Lincoln. It was yeah. phenomenal. We're going to keep the baseball conversation going right after the break. Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald is going to join us. Uh, he's going to, he's up there in Minneapolis. He's going to tell us what he saw there against Vandy, preview these next couple this weekend, get you ready for the rest of the season. Uh, we've got a lot of hoops talk. Uh, we've got an update on Dylan Riola. Uh, we've got a lot to get to. Stick with us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Husker baseball rolling through their early season, and uh, they have another matchup up in Minneapolis. Today it's Hawaii after a top 10 win yesterday against Vanderbilt. And one of the guys up there covering this team, the Omaha World Herald, is Evan Bland, who we have not had on this program since he was uh, announced as the 2022 Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year. So congrats on that, hey, Evan, and thanks for joining us again. Hey, yeah, thanks, guys. I've been joking, uh, you know, they, they must run out of people to give it to. So, uh, no, it, I, I appreciate that. It, it's been fun. Yeah, don't get too comfortable, Evan. I'm coming for you. Don't, don't, you know. Matt. Yeah, that's right. I am. Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the rise, Evan. Don't get too comfortable. I'm going I'm to take it from you, or I'll just, hey, I'll just steal it from your mantle place or something like that. I don't know. That broadcaster of the year, that's up for grabs every year too. And you yeah. guys should be contenders. So Absolutely. We appreciate that, Evan. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take that audio recording and put it on my resume or something. <laughs> well, <laughs> sounds good, Evan. Uh, you're, you're definitely hard at work covering a, a big game yesterday with Nebraska taking down uh, a top ten opponent in Vanderbilt. From your perspective there in Minneapolis, what was different about Nebraska's approach? Uh, if anything, uh, maybe it was exactly the same as it's been and, and they just had better results. But what, what did you see in terms of Nebraska approaching this game yesterday? Well, I think the thing that stood out to me was like this was not a fluke, right? Like this wasn't a, a case where um, you know, a pitcher maybe was over his head or, or Nebraska's offense had one inning and they sort of took advantage of it. I mean, they, they had 13 hits, they had eight doubles, which is a huge number. Uh, you know, Emmett Olson was solid. There was not a ton of drama on the base paths, uh, in terms of what Vanderbilt was doing. I mean, they give up, uh, Emmett Olson gives up three solo home runs and, and that was about it. I mean, Shea Shannon comes in one base runner, in his three scoreless innings. So it just, it, I, I think that was the thing that really stood out to me was this was not like a team that played over its head for one day and, and got hot and found an upset. Like this was what we've seen um, for most of the year. And, and that was an offense that just continues to mash and be deep. Uh, a defense that I believe was error free again yesterday and has been pretty clean most of the year. And then outside of that opening weekend at San Diego, the pitching and, and in particular the bullpen has been really good. I think it's now, you know, 16 scoreless innings after what Shanneman did on Friday. So it was just a really complete effort. And, uh, you know, talking with the players on Wednesday and then after the game yesterday, like maybe they're just really good actors, but they, to me, uh, they, they struck me time and again <clears throat> to a man, like they just kind of expected that would happen. And, that's so hard to do in baseball sometimes is just to keep that even keel and know that it's a marathon and know that, you know, in Nebraska's case, if the season goes where, where they want it to, it's going to still be 50 plus games before the end of this thing. And so the fact that they, you know, didn't get overly high on Friday, I think is a good sign. The fact that they uh, didn't get overly low in that first weekend and, and bounced back by sweeping South Alabama is a good sign too. So I just think there are a lot of traits that this team is showing that would indicate that this thing can be sustainable for the course of a year and that they didn't just get hot on one day. So that's probably the most encouraging thing. Have you been more encouraged, Evan, by the play of the bullpen, or have you been more encouraged by the fact that this offense consistently has been able to just out-hit their opponents over these these first couple games? I think it would have to be the offense. I mean, going into the year, I felt like the arms were going to be a strength. Even amid injuries last year, they were a strength. And there's just too much depth and too much experience for that group to be what it was at San Diego. So I, I, I kind of felt like that was uh, the clear 
edge that this team would have. But the offense was a bigger question because, again, you think back to last year, Nebraska doesn't even make the Big Ten tournament. And a big reason for that was an offense that just didn't have a lot of pop. I mean, you look around college baseball, and home runs are soaring and power is spiking. And that just wasn't the case in Lincoln. I mean, they had three or four hitters who had okay seasons. Uh, The bottom third of their lineup didn't really produce a lot. There wasn't a lot of diversity in how they were able to score runs. And through, you know, the first two-plus weekends here, I think you're seeing a totally different deal where, uh, you know, multiple players are hitting for power. They are able to steal some bases. They had another key spot yesterday when Gary Anglum stole second and uh, was able to come around later uh, in the late innings against Vanderbilt. So just the 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 variety of ways that you can score, knowing that there there might be some days when you can hit for power, but then there are going to be other days when you need to be good situationally and move guys over and, and get a clutch hit. And I think Nebraska's shown a way, uh, you know, demonstrated that it can do that, at least to this point. And then you look individually at some of the guys. I mean, Max Anderson, I think even yesterday and this weekend, he, he could be making himself some money with a bunch of scouts in the stands, the way that he's been able to swing the bat and hit the ball. Uh, Josh Karen, to me, is a guy who is looking like a, a breakout player this year. I mean, he, he hit 180 last year. Um, and the guy who was the starting catcher, Griffin Everett, is still on the team. So I think that tells you a lot about what, uh, you know, first of all, the, the culture of the team that, that Griffin Everett has supported him as he slid into that role, but then just the the ability that he's had to improve his swing, uh, went to summer ball, found himself, and that's carried over. So I think there are a lot of individual examples, but then the way that it's been pieced together has been really dynamic offensively, too. Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald joining us here talking Husker baseball on the KLI and Husker Hour. Evan, with, now that we've seen eight games, it, we've got a better read on who's going to be contributing more in the lineup this season. What have you seen so far from the newcomers or at least the new contributors to this offense? Well, I mean, you got to start with Dylan Carey, uh, a true freshman to be able to take that starting job at third base. He's been really good, a little quieter yesterday, but he made some good contact. Uh, You know, to me, it starts what he does defensively. Like, he just looks really smooth out there like a veteran who's been doing this for a while and I think for him it started with uh, coming out of high school and going into the mink league which is a college summer league and taking a wood bat and hitting I think it was 350 plus out there as as essentially still a high schooler uh, among college arms like that was really impressive so I think you know the way that he's been able to move himself up from the bottom third of the order up into the top third uh, is is really impressive. You know, I mentioned Karen. He's not technically a newcomer, but he's really stepping into a full-time role for the first time. And I think the other guy that I've been looking at a lot was Casey Burnham, the transfer from Kansas, who's the fastest guy on the team. He kind of gives you a, a, a little bit of a different look, sort of reminds you of Jackson Hallmark a little bit with his ability to lay out a bunt and, uh, you know, slap a single and do different things. And he was really uh, effective on Friday. I mean, you could even see there was a first and third situation uh, on that play where he ended up hitting that double off the first base bag where the, the corner infielders were drawn in. I mean, they were not comfortable because they knew that he could lay down a bunt at any time. So he's been another you know key piece, too. And I think there are a, a number of guys off the bench that we haven't still seen maybe a ton of that we will when the midweeks start rolling around here, uh, hopefully weather, weather permitting this week against Northern Colorado and beyond. I mean, Ben Columbus is a guy who will probably – do some catching and play first base. They like his bat a lot. Cole Evans is an outfielder who I think will get a little more run as well. So they, they do. They feel like, you know, as, as hard as it was to fill out a lineup last year um, in a bad way, it's sort of the opposite this year where they feel like they have 12 or 13 guys that they want to get in there on a given day. And maybe they don't all start, but it does seem like a lot of them are contributing. So, uh, you know, to this point, a lot of the, the bats that they've added in the offseason, especially through the portal or the junior college ranks, seem to have been hits. Evan, you know, to start the season, three straight losses and a tie that, you know, that tie definitely could have been a loss as well, but, you know, time permitting. And now you turn into four straight wins with a top 10 win. Um, I think we can all agree it's been a very confusing start to the season in order how you can analyze this team. But from what you've watched and from what you've gathered, what is your expectations for this roster and, and, what do you think that they can do come Big Ten, ten season? Well, I'm, I'm going to stick with 
my preseason projection for them, I still think they're a top three team in the league. Uh, you know, I think Maryland has not done anything that would that would change your mind that they're the, the league favorites at this point. They've had a tough schedule. They lost. They've lost three or four to Ole Miss, so you can't really hold that against them too much. I think Iowa is still a, a top contender with what they're able to do pitching-wise, and I think their offense has really flashed early this year. Obviously, they beat number one LSU last weekend. But really, I think Nebraska is right there in that upper tier. Um, I mean, you talk about the opening weekend. That was <clears throat> almost entirely <clears throat> excuse me, a case of of the bullpen uh, faltering and, and like in weird ways with hit by pitches and, um, you know, free, free bases on walks and things like that. Like the offense looked good still on that opening weekend. And so did the defense. So, um, you know, I, I do, I think Nebraska can contend the win that they had yesterday uh, is, is huge, especially if Vanderbilt figures itself out moving forward. Um, when you start talking about in that large bid for Nebraska, assuming they don't win the big 10 tournament, um, you know, the goal internally in that program has always been to host a regional, and that's a lofty goal. It's something the program hasn't done since 2008. Uh, but you, you beat a team like Vanderbilt, and you're going to get a crack at Ole Miss on Sunday. Those are the kind of wins that go a long way <clears throat> in that resume. So I'm, I'm honestly not shocked with the, the start that Nebraska's had. I think that obviously the, the win yesterday turns your head a little bit. But I think just as encouraging is, again, you look around the Big Ten, and the last couple of years, this has been a league that uh, falls short on these early weekends. And, and there are a lot of reasons for that, right? Cold weather, northern teams on the road. Uh, but they've been really strong to start. I mean, Penn State beats Miami. Uh, Indiana takes down Auburn in a game. Even if you don't win these series, uh, it's, really, it's, it's really helpful for your own RPI and for the league. And so I think as Nebraska moves into Big Ten play later this month, there's a lot more margin for error not just based on the start Nebraska's had, but on the start that the league has had, that uh, that these teams are showing that they deserve to be postseason uh, caliber clubs. So I think that's probably the most encouraging part, and Nebraska is just a part of that effort. Not a minute or two here with Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald covers Husker baseball, uh, and then some for them uh, on on football. You've got spring coming up. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of buzz with the just the size of the roster. All the all the transfers. Uh, what are what are uh, maybe one or two real quick hitter uh, under the radar type stories you're following for spring football? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's in this age of the portal. To me, I'm always going to be interested in how the newcomers mesh with who's already there, and it's a little bit of a different dynamic this year because there's obviously a new coaching staff. But how do how does the do the do the players who have been here mesh with some of the newcomers that are arriving that have been here you know for a month plus out of the portal um, you know we're going to be hearing from some of them I know Chief Borders is talking on Monday meeting with the media he's a I think he's a dynamic personality that people are going to enjoy meeting um, and, and and the other guy who's talking is Thomas Fedoni who everyone is is well familiar with uh, around Lincoln. And, and he's a guy who's had a couple of major knee injuries and, and by all accounts is healthy now and ready to go. So I think it's just that kind of stuff where how, how are the new guys settling in? What roles can they sort of start to start to um, establish? And then the returners, where do they fit in? I think you can say the same thing with, with Casey Thompson, and Jeff Sims, though that's not really an under the radar story. Uh, one I'll give you, and I, and I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, is Matt Rule and his staff, uh, they have said that their magic and and, and some of their history is, is based around um, finding new positions for players and, and identifying the best place for different guys to fill. And I know when, I, when we spoke with the, as the uh, World Herald with Matt Rule last month, he kind of said, you know, there's not, it's too early to sort of say what position group is stronger or weaker. But one thing that he could determine from watching film, from watching practices, was that he thought that there were a number of players on the roster who could benefit from a position change. Maybe nothing uh, super extreme like offense to defense, but maybe you know a, a linebacker who slides down to an edge or an edge who slides to a defensive end or something like that. So uh, we've seen one example of that with Tommy Hill, who was you know a starting corner at the beginning of last year, moved to receiver, and now Matt Rule and company have moved him back 
to a, a defensive back. But I, I think there are going to be a lot of examples of that this spring where guys are trying out different spots. And again, you look at the track record that Rule and his staff have moving guys around. I'll be really curious to see where some of those guys up end up this spring and if it carries over into the fall. What more could you expect from the 2022 Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year than that great analysis? Absolutely. Evan Blank, the best. Omaha World Herald, thanks again for the time this morning. Uh, enjoy Minneapolis while you're up there, and uh, we'll see if the Husker baseball can get a, a couple more wins before coming home. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Evan. Evan Bland, uh, good stuff as always. Uh, yeah, with, with the football, uh, I... Thomas Fedoni we, looks we need, big. I want to. I want to talk about. I want to talk about how important he could be to to what Nebraska is trying to do. Keeping a guy like that in the program, fighting through a lot of adversity, uh, and and maybe talk to the media, potentially be a leader in that tight end room that has a big leadership vacuum after a lot of production left the last couple of years with Austin Allen and Travis Vokaluk. That's got to be the biggest question mark room, right? In terms of upside, because. I think that oh, well, him and Eric Gilbert, being yeah, like the number one tight ends in their class, ab- ab- absolutely. Because it's weird. Because I, I feel like the last couple of years, the whole you know, oh, you're drinking the Kool Aid has been. You don't really know how guys are going to play, and you just assume that because of all the positive things that you've heard, that it's a strength. Yeah. But you've never really seen them play. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's you know, O'Shawn Mathis comes into the Big Ten, and, and you've seen him play in the Big 12 at a high level, but the Big Ten and Big 12 are very different. So, But you just assume, oh my God, this guy's going to be a world eater. He's going to be incredible. And you, you know all these other transfers that come in, and you're like, well, they we've heard nothing but great things. So they're going to be incredible. And with Fedoni and Gilbert, it's the same thing, where you hear how great of a talent mm-hmm. they are. You hear how you know, well, they've been practicing and how big Fedoni looks. And, and, you know, you're seeing all these, these, uh, the, the hype videos and the guy who sticks out like a sore thumb every single hype video is Thomas Fedoni. And you just think, oh my God, he's going to have a great year. But you don't know. You don't know. And in that whole room, they have potential to have, to be a strength of this team, but you don't know. So I think that's going to be a story and a room that I'm seriously going to be following and looking at throughout the season because it could be a strength mm-hmm. or it could be, you know they're there, and it's and it's you're wondering, you know, what when are they going to turn on, or you know, what maybe the injuries, yeah, you know, are more effective on on Fedoni than you expected it to be. So it's going to be a really that tight end room, I think, isn't being talked about enough in terms of interesting stories heading into not only spring football but the entire season. Yeah, we'll talk more about that as well as the the hoops, some difficult losses this week. Uh, we'll get you prepped and ready for what's next for both the men and women. Uh, and the rest of the weekend ahead here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1499.3 KLIN. Glad to have Kenny Larrabee back in studio. So we've got the Facebook Live going at KLIN Huskers. You can always catch up with the show there uh, or on our podcast pages at KLIN.com or over at Husker Max or any podcast platform of your choice. Make sure you subscribe to the show, KLIN Husker Hour. And if you missed Evan Bland or any of the rest of the show, you can always catch up over there. Uh, Evan, we, we talked a little bit about football at the tail end. We'll get to that. Uh, but uh, the the one the thing I want to talk about right now, real quick, is is uh, the basketball. Uh, Nebraska men lose to Michigan State. Nebraska women lose to Michigan State. Different 
different consequences for those losses. Uh, I, I think it, it makes the path to the NIT uh, a little bit sketchy now for the men, unless they can beat Iowa tomorrow on the road uh, on the Hawkeyes senior night. Nebraska ruined Wisconsin senior night uh, last year, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, but tough blow, Matt, with the way that they'd been trending in that right direction. They had four straight wins, won five out of six. Uh, and then second half, they just could not stop Michigan State from from knocking down shots and couldn't score themselves as well. Yeah, so I was about to say that. A lot of people talked about how incredible uh, they looked or how great Michigan State was shooting. Let's not get that confused with the fact that Nebraska's offense just was not the same in that second half as they were in the first half. And I think that those buckets and how consistently, you know, they were playing pretty good defense. I mean, they, they were playing the same defense they had been all season when when they were playing Michigan State. They just could, Michigan State simply just could not miss. It could not miss. And, and they kept making those three-pointers. And, and, and I think it really affected them on the offensive end, which is something that you don't, you wish... You know, this is a team that it happens all the time in basketball, but it it's one of the signs of a team that maybe isn't necessarily elite or one of the better teams in a conference because the best teams don't let one end affect the other end, you know, in a negative way. Now, if you get a big stop on defense, yeah, take that momentum, take that energy to the offensive end, absolutely. But, you know, Chris Paul has talked about Chris Paul doesn't try and win a game. Chris Paul tries and wins every single possession. Mm-hmm. But he but it's he takes every possession like it's a game. And I think that sometimes that's the best mentality to have when another team is going on a run. Don't look at it, hey, they're on an 8-0 run, we got to stop it. Look at it as we got to win this possession. We got to go and win this game. I feel like that them Michigan State just playing so well on the offensive end affected how Nebraska played on the offensive end as well. So, yeah. but look, it's been a really good season for them in, in terms of what they expected, in terms of the injuries, in terms of the changing of style. And, you know, I think that this February has shown that Fred Hoiberg has the ability once he believes in his guys and once he 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 understands who he has that he can win games in the Big 10 and what i mean by that is he had a pro style offense he had he want he went out and he got NBA type players. He he recruited NBA type guys, and he wanted to kind of like you know Scott Frost says. Oh, I I hope the Big Ten adjusts to us and how we play offense. That was a little bit like what Fred Hoiberg was doing at basketball. Now he has adjusted his coaching style to the point where it's not about Fred's system. It's about the guys that he has and what's the best way that you can win games. And he looked at Casey Tolmanaga and he said, you know what, this guy is playing incredible. This is how we're going to win games. We're going to win games through this guy and how just crazy he is on offense, how all this off-ball movement, move everyone else around him, get guys in certain positions that we can that, that we can manipulate into good opportunities for Derek Walker, for Jamarcus Lawrence, for Sam Griesel. And, and they've really, he's really coached his butt off this year, and it's been really, really encouraging. And now I, I think that this year... Going into the season, you were discouraged because of all that they were losing. And you're like, who do they even have, other than Derek Walker, who do they even have where they can be a contributor on this team? Now, after all of that thinking that they didn't really have a true contributor, a guy that you can really, you know, put, you know, uh, uh, a guy that you can really put the offense or build the team around other than Derek Walker, you go into next season thinking, okay, yeah, you're losing Walker. Yeah, you're losing Greasel. Yes, you're losing Bandamel. You could be losing Tominaga, but you trust that they can still go out and perform next year because of how great of a job that Fred did and how he's been able to adjust throughout the season to help this team win games. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of my, regardless of what happens at Iowa, Regardless of what happens at the tournament, regardless of whether or not they get into the into the NIT or whatever, that's kind of my cherry on this season. Mm. Fred Hoiberg proved that he can coach in the Big Ten. He proved that he can adjust his coaching style in order to help his team win, help his teams win games, and put his players in the right position. And now it's 
recruiting players and getting talent and getting those key contributors that can fit within this more defensive system or whatever system that he wants to run yeah. that he his he believes his team coercively fits around. Yeah, and and the the nuts and bolts that you're looking at right now for Nebraska basketball, the men, 15 and 15, 8 and 11 in conference. So even if they don't end up winning that Iowa game, you're still finishing 8 and 12, which eight wins, that's that's impressive considering where they came from. Yes. In terms of postseason, if you lose to Iowa, that would mean that you would you would end up having to win at least two games to get to 500 because then with the loss you're right back at 500. If you win 3 games before you bow out, then you would be 1 game over 500. I don't know that the NIT would take a 500 Nebraska team. I don't know that the NIT would take a just 1 game over 500 Nebraska team. They would, think, they they are going to have to win Big 10 tournament games regardless yeah. of and and there are so many different scenarios for I think the Big 10 seeding too yeah. where you don't it, it, more than likely they'll be playing on Wednesday. Probably. I but I think my point my point being I think you're going to if you have designs on on being an NIT team, I think you have to win on Sunday. Absolutely. I think you have to beat the Absolutely. Hawkeyes. You get to 16 and 15, then you get Ohio State or Minnesota in that first round if you're playing on Wednesday, which is more than likely the case. I think you need Minnesota to to beat somebody in order to get out of that bottom four seeds if I'm not mistaken. So that's Minnesota's well, I mean, they, they, hey, they, they beat, beat Rutgers, yes. They beat Rutgers. But, but still. Um, I still don't get the whole Rutgers thing, by the way. Everybody, <laughs> let me just say this. I, I, I have beef with Rutgers because everyone on the net, the whole net rankings loves Rutgers. Ken Palm loves Rutgers. Rutgers is terrible. Rutgers is not a good basketball team. They've lost so many games in February. They are they are barely over uh, 500 in the league. They are not. They are not good. They are not, and they're, everyone's like, fans they're given- ten and nine. They're ten and nine. They've lost so many games in Feb. I'm pretty sure they've lost four of their last five in February. Their fans are flipping double birds to Kent Pavelka. It's like, just, what are it's, they doing? It's up there? Re- no, no, no. But it's like they their seeding is so similar to other Big Ten teams. Like in the NCAA tournament, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. Let me let me give you because I got I'm literally I've been yelling about Rutgers for the last couple weeks. I okay. seem like I struck a nerve here. Here's here's Rutgers in February. Win against Minnesota. Win against Michigan State. Loss, loss, loss. Win, loss. Win, loss to Minnesota. Rutgers is not good at basketball. Stop saying they're similarly seeded to Northwestern. Stop it. Stop having the net. Put them over Northwestern and put them over good teams. They're not good. There's there's the reveal right there. It's it's all... It, all it is all about... It, it, it is. It is. Because I got my dad complaining about it. <laughs> Before we get Matt McMaster's Northwestern Wildcats takes, let's flip over to the women's side. Um, Nebraska women, they 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 probably played themselves out of the NCAA tournament. Matt, Unfortunately, that, that loss in the Big Ten tournament to Michigan State, uh, it 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 will be tough for them to make it in at this point. They lose sixty seven sixty four. Jazz Shelley, who by the way, the first first team All Big Ten performer of the Amy Williams era. Uh, we found that out this last week as well. She scored 24 points, uh, but they still could not overcome Michigan State. So they're 16 and 14 overall now is Nebraska, uh, and and probably not going to be able to get into that NCAA tournament at this point. Yeah, uh, you know they're a really good group and they really care about each other as a team. And and Amy Williams clearly enjoys coaching this team, but just not the season uh, they were expecting to have. And uh, came in, ranked, uh, walked out, I think, what, officially two games over 500? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they they had a tough draw in terms of schedule. I mean, they had an incredibly, incredible. they played Rutgers when they were ranked, Virginia Tech when they were ranked, Maryland when they were ranked, Kansas when they were ranked, Michigan when they were ranked, Indiana when they were ranked, Ohio State when they were ranked, Maryland again, Iowa when they were ranked, Michigan again when they were ranked. It's and then Illinois was number twenty five when they played them as well. They played so many ranked games and they just weren't able to win enough of them. And um, it, it, it this team, I think they really felt the expectations. There was a lot of expectations coming into this year, and I think there were a lot of not only. I mean, they talked about it at a. I asked one of them. I go. I asked Jazz Shelley. I said, 
Because she said that they were playing loose, that they were peaking at the right time, and they were just going out and playing basketball, and that's when they were at their best. And I asked her, did you feel, did you have pressure coming into the season? Did you guys feel the pressure? And she said, absolutely, she did. And, and you know, it's, it's, and she mentioned, like, coming into the season ranked, it's, it's, you know, there is, uh, there's, there's expectations. And I just think that sometimes, especially those first four possessions, when they turn the ball over four times, I think that sometimes the pressure got to this team. And that as the season went on and they kept losing these ranked games, they, they kind of thought in the back of their head, we got to win this one. We got to win this one. We got to make the tournament. And I think that, you know, that in the long run, that pressure and, and, and trying to just win these games because, you know, people expect them to go to the tournament after how successful they were last season, how many people they returned. Um, it, it just, it kind of, it, it nagged on them a little bit. And I think that's so tough. And it's, um, you know, but they're going to get a lot of pieces back next year. And you're, and you're really hoping that Allison Widener, not only does she come back, but she comes back healthy and she yeah. comes back where she was because she was playing incredible before she suffered that knee injury against Kansas. Do you know that the WNIT has 64 teams? I'm sorry. I almost spit out my water. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. 64 teams. What? Yeah, the WNIT has 64 teams. The men's still 32, but the WNIT in 2010 expanded to 64 teams. I wonder why. Is that a is that a I don't TV? Know that have, is I don't that know a, they have a CBI or a CIT? Is that a, side is, does, is so that a TV why. thing? You think that's like I a mean, TV rights? They're trying to get as many people to watch because if probably. it is, yeah, great. So more, more than people, likely, sh- more people should watch women's college basketball. More than likely, Nebraska will get a WNIT bid. That's oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, they're, they're I mean, they want too many. They've got really good wins. Yeah, they've got a, a record over five hundred. They're going to get a WNIT bid. They were at their best. Nebraska played like they could beat just about anyone in the country, and at their yeah. you know worst, it was it was pretty bad, and it was a lot of turnovers, and it was sloppy play, and I it was just incons- it was they were inconsistent all year. But look, they're talented. They are a talented team. They've proven that they can beat ranked teams. They've proven that they can play with just about the best in the country. It's about just gaining more experience, honestly, because yeah. it's like you're returning a lot. Of, Sam Hybe is the only player that is for sure not coming back next year. So you're talking about a lot of players and some of your best players who are, are sort of inexperienced. I mean, this was only Alexis Markowski's second year yeah. of college basketball. Allison Widener the same. Izzy Bourne and Jazz Shelley. They were honored at senior night. We'll see what happens there. To Casey they, very, have very, they have an option to come back. But look, they did the whole song and dance with Derek Walker for three years. This was his third senior night. Yeah, That's true. So <laughs> you know, you never, you never know nowadays. And uh, when when we were when I was at the press conference for senior night, it was made very clear that a decision was not made yet. But they wanted to take. They didn't know obviously, and they wanted to take advantage of the opportunity. So. Yeah, I mean, tough season, but yeah. it's going to be the same in terms of pressure. It's going to be the same thing next year. They're going to if Izzy Bourne and Jazz Shelley comes back. Yeah, there's they're going to there's going to be an expectation that they are going to win. Expectations is the word. Yeah, you you want to have expectations in your program, and that's certainly what sure Amy Williams has has garnered with her performances as coach of the women's team. Um, all right, that's a little look at hoops. When we come back, uh, we're going to get to a little bit of football. Got a Dylan Riola update, and uh, what are the other sports going on? It's it's Big Ten championship season, getting into the postseason. I, I currently have the Big Ten wrestling uh, championships pulled up on the computer right yeah, there. There you go. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get you set for the weekend and the week ahead here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. I said the word earlier in the show. I'm not going to make folks get crazy. Fullback. No, I didn't say fullback. Even hotter, even hotter than the word fullback is Riola. Ugh. Dominic, you know, not Dominic. Gosh, dang it. It's, come on, let's do the exercise. What are the four Rayolas? What are their names? They all begin with D. Uncle Donnie. Yes. Daddy Dom. <laughs> Dylan. Dylan. And I can't remember the brother's name. Dayton. Dayton. Okay. Dayton, Dominic, Donovan, and Dylan. Come on. All right. So, Dylan Rayola. Yes. The, the top the man story. Of the hour, That's, uh, too number, sweet to be sour. Number one recruit in the 2024 class. He's going out to Los Angeles this weekend. He's Scary. visiting... USC scary 
It's all it's all just a scary. It's all just a smokescreen. I would be terrified if I was any other team trying to recruit uh, Dylan Raiola because of the fact that Lincoln Riley has his hands on him. What? It's not like Lincoln Riley's coached three Heisman Trophy winners in the last decade. It's not like (laughs) he is the college football quarterback and quarterback guy, and it's not like he just literally gets whatever quarterback he's ever wanted. That is literally, by the way, not hyperbole, (laughs) like a fact. He, he He gets whoever he wants in terms of that quarterback position, and I'm pretty sure Dylan said he talks to him every day. Or at least consistently. So, yeah, that I mean, th- lest we scary. forget, lest we forget, that's who Nebraska is going up against. It's USC, who has Lincoln Riley, multiple Heisman Trophy winners at quarterback uh, in his history at, at Oklahoma and USC. Georgia, who has won multiple national championships in the last five years, back to back. They and 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 Nebraska is coming off of. A four-win season. A four-win four season. season. And it's been six, Say it years, how it is. six straight years without a winning season Look, as well. But you've got you've got dad who played there. You've yes. got Uncle Don who it, coaches it, there. Look, like there's there are there are factors absolutely. on all angles of this. It's thing. credit to Nebraska to be up against the Sharks when it comes yeah. to the to the number one quarterback in the class of twenty twenty four. So I think credit to them. Now look, lot here's their and I was talking to a friend about this. Here's their pitch. Lincoln Riley could say, look at all the Heisman Trophy winners, look at all the success, look at all the NFL quarterbacks. That is an argument that you cannot go up against. Georgia can say, hey, look at all the national championships, look at all the success we've had over the last 10 years of of college football. You can't compete with that. But what Nebraska has is a new staff, a new culture, a a new beginning, a, a new... Let's call it a, a, a string of hope, okay? And you can pitch to Dylan, hey, we're not going to take you and plug you into the system. You aren't going to be Nebraska football player Dylan Riola, okay? You are going to be the base of this program. You are going to be the foundation of this new beginning. You are going to be the the pillar of hope and not only this program, but the state of Nebraska. You want to go and you want to be a part of something that's already built. Go ahead. You want to win. You want to be, you know, win national championships and 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 you know whatever and be a part of something that a lot of people could be a part of. Fine. But if you want to be the guy, if you want to be the man, if you want to build something that isn't just about national championships, but about the state, about you, about everything together, yep. come and play for Nebraska. And I think that's a pretty compelling argument. Yeah, hey, it, it may work. I think work. it could work. It may work. Uh, Husker Wrestling is, as Matt said, 2023 Big Ten Championships up in Ann Arbor. Nebraska has five wrestlers seated third or higher in their conference championship lineup. Uh, Nebraska men, they are in action for the season finale tomorrow at Iowa. That's a 1 p.m. tip, noon uh, start to pregame right here on KLIN. And today, Hawaii baseball, 3 o'clock, 2.30 first uh, pregame, and then tomorrow, Ole Miss, another top 10 matchup, 1 o'clock pregame, 1.30 first pitch. That one's going to be over on the bone. That's it for the weekend. That was impressive. Thanks to Evan Bland. That's Matt. I'm Cole. Thanks, Kenny. Go Big Red.